You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. Wow. After one of the most destabilizing weeks that I have ever experienced as an IU fan, Thursday brought us a sudden and decisive closure on the most important question heading into the offseason. Would Tom Crean stay as Indiana's head coach? For 36 hours, we all sat stinging from the predictable loss to Georgia Tech and the unconscionable decision to give up an NIT home game, and nothing was said, and the silence was deafening. Until, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and in the midst of Thursday's NCAA tournament games getting underway, the string of tweets came. Tom Crean is fired. It was almost too simple and definitive to believe, but it was true. And now, here we are. Tom Crean is no longer the coach at Indiana University. The search for the coach who can take Indiana from sporadically good to consistently great is on, and there can be no mistaking where Fred Glass stands on what reasonable expectations are for Indiana basketball. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here to discuss all of this and more with you and with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com and all throughout the offseason as we break down this story and much more. And if you can't listen live to any of our broadcasts, just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts and you will find us. Well, I'll begin this week's show as we begin every postgame show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And I think this week's banner moment is pretty obvious. It occurred sometime Wednesday night whenever Fred Glass finally made up his mind that it was time to fire a man who he clearly has a great personal and professional affection for. And why wouldn't he? I mean, Tom Crean is a good man. He did a good job at Indiana, especially his first five years, and especially when you consider the difficult circumstances he inherited. But something, perhaps a particular something, or perhaps a steady buildup of many somethings, convinced Fred Glass that while Tom Crean was the man to deliver Indiana basketball from destitute back to decent, a new voice was needed to reach the heights Indiana has reached many times before, and that the infrastructure and resources of the program suggest it can reach again. And here are the words, right from the statement Indiana released announcing the firing. Quote, the expectations for Indiana University basketball are to perennially contend for and win multiple Big Ten championships, regularly go deep in the NCAA tournament, and win our next national championship and more after that. We will identify and recruit a coach who will meet these expectations. Those very expectations were the subtext nine years ago when Tom Crean famously said, it's Indiana, it's Indiana, the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And today, for the first time in many years, we got firm proof in the form of decisive action that the Indiana University basketball program is truly committed to those standards. And nothing, frankly, could be more reassuring as we sit here right now that Indiana is back on track toward hanging a sixth banner, which makes it, I think, a perfectly appropriate banner moment. 
All right, well, let me introduce my esteemed co-host to my left. We have the host of Bracketology.fm, and now the world's number nine ranked Bracketologist, according to Bracketmatrix.com, although he'll always be number one in our hearts. He remains the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, but also renewed his membership in the Stan Robinson Fan Club for the NCAA tournament. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what was your Bottoms line from the last week in Indiana basketball? Yeah, this has been a weird week, I think is probably an understatement to, uh, you know, to kind of take this back to since we last, you know, got together with with everybody on the radio, at least, you know, the Big Ten tournament, uh, how, you know, that that played out in in losing to Wisconsin and then uh, the NIT debacle, both from a, you know, where the game was going to be played standpoint, as well as the actual game itself. Uh, And then to today, and it was, uh, you know, kind of kind of surreal something i think that we had been looking for certainly some kind of decision and and i think um i was glad that that came i guess relatively quickly and didn't drag out any longer than it did and i think your point about the wording of the statement was uh was a good one and i think that's you know ultimately where our gripes came down to with with coach Crean and um and i think as we said before it's possible to be appreciative of what he did for the program and still believe that IU can aspire to more and that another person will help them get there. And so that's kind of what I'm you know, left with today in, in terms of really being uh, appreciative of, of, of the depths that Tom Crean pulled the program out of, what he did from an academic standpoint, um, and what he did just from a, you know, an integrity standpoint and uh, all those kinds of things. And I think, you know, it deserves a lot of credit for that, worked extremely hard to, to get things how they were, and uh, also excited to look forward and, and figure out what's going to be next. And, and so... Uh, I, I really don't think there was anything else that really could have happened after the decision to not play the NIT game at home. To me, at the point when you're actively deprioritizing winning, uh, I feel like that's just an admission that a change needs to be made. And, uh, you know, was was glad to see that actually come to fruition. And, and like I said, I'm excited to see what the future will hold uh, in the short term. I'm sure that's lots of crazy coaching rumors. But uh, once we get that behind us, you know, being able to, to move forward with whoever the next head coach is and, uh, really start to get a a, diff, a new vision for where the program is going to go because I think that's one thing that people left this season with was not a great idea of what the direction was really going to be even if Crean were to remain the coach given the uh, potential turnover on the roster and the new guys coming in and so uh, you know now we take the first step in figuring out what next year might look like. And to my right, we have the only man in America who legitimately believes each season that his bracket will be the perfect one a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and someone who is ready to fight any person who suggests that Greg Marshall or Steve Alford should be the next IU coach. Seriously, he will meet you out back right now. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What was your rant from the past week in IU basketball? I will absolutely meet anybody by the bike racks after school if they want to fight, if they want to suggest those two guys. Um, You know, I, uh, I just think it's... It's a tough situation, and we mentioned this. Uh, you know, we, I've been talking about this all day, pretty much, and and all you know, yesterday and all week, and it's just a tough situation because it, Tom Creed's easy to like as a person, uh, but after nine years without consistent success, this was the right move, and, and this was the way to go. And 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 you know, nine years is a long time. It doesn't seem like he's been here that long. It really doesn't. I remember sitting in the uh, you know the second row of his introductory press conference. Uh, as a as a young, uh, hopeful reporter, God, how things have changed. Um, you know, just sitting there and and listening to that that statement and 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 that you know speech he gave 
was quite frankly in the history of Indiana basketball, I don't think anybody's ever summed up the greatness of the program and the potential of the program as succinctly and as well as he did in that introductory press conference. And, and, you know, I'm sitting there as a supposed to be an unbiased reporter. And the man is telling me how great my alma mater is. I I have to admit, I got, you know, fired up about that. I got excited. And, And, you know, over the next few years, um, as he rebuilt the program, he never lost faith. Uh, a lot of people did, and he never did. And that that is something that, you know, I, I, I said this on the radio um, in reaction to this, that I, I, I could probably count on one hand the amount of people on the planet Earth who could remain positive during that situation and continually be a cheerleader during that situation, during those first three years. And, and Tom Crean is one of them. And he's a, he's a special person who had a special role and, and, and he went about it without complaining. And so, um, I, I will always thank him for that. Um, and, and whoever the next coach is that comes here, any success they have will owe a bit of a hat tip to what Crean did while he was here, bringing the program back, putting it on solid footing. I mean, you know, it's easy to forget where we were nine years ago when he took over. Uh, um, but I won't because I was in Bloomington during that time. And uh, I saw that team live a few times in his first year. And, you know, to go from there to a point where we're upset just because we're missing the NCAA tournament and, and, and we're, you know, last year won a big 10 title, but didn't follow it up this year with a solid. I mean, that's, it's remarkable how far we've come, but at the same time, that consistent success is expected at Indiana. And if we're going to hold the athletic department and we're going to hold this program up to a higher standard, it needs to actually be held to that standard. Um, If we're going to talk about how great we are and how we're a real blue blood and all that stuff. And and one of the great programs, which I certainly believe Indiana can be one of the great programs in college basketball, we need to hold it to that standard. And that includes consistent success. And that just wasn't there. Absolutely. Well said, Ryan. Well, we will talk about the decision to fire Tom Crane, get into the press conference that Fred Glass had, talk about what's next for Indiana and start naming some names. And Ryan, there's already people here in the chat, you know, wondering about your thoughts on, you know, why you don't like Greg Marshall and Steve Alford, two names often talked about. And so we will talk about that. We'll each, you know, kind of give our favorites for who we want to see Indiana go after. And also, I'm sure, reflect about the Tom Crean era along the way. All of that coming on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, I do want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com, who we have been so excited to work with this year. Uh, it really has been more than a sponsorship. It's been a partnership, and we're excited to continue working with them. And I was really excited when I saw Connor's tweet earlier this week uh, that they're actually going to start donating 10% of their pre-tax revenues to charity, which I think is just a great thing to do. Uh, and it's evidence that you know they're about more than just selling t-shirts they're really about giving back to the indiana community because connor and their team are proud hoosiers as we are and so if you consider yourself a hoosier uh, and not just an iu hoosier but someone proud to have roots in the great state of indiana then you need to check out HoosierProud.com. You can check out the assembly call gear that we have there, our T-shirts, our zip-up hoodies, uh, all of the cool Indiana designs that they have and everything else. And because you're an assembly call audience member, you get 15% off of your entire order. So you can use the promo code AC uh, to get that 15% off, but go to HoosierProud.com anytime. Use the promo code AC and you will get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So, you know, it it was interesting. I guess I should reset real quick. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking about the decision to fire Tom Crean and what it means for Indiana. 
And, you know, what I was going to say is, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, th- there's been so much buildup. When I saw those tweets come through, I had more a feeling of melancholy than I thought I would. And, and it was almost because of the realization that, and, and look, we knew it wasn't working. We all said it was time for change. It's the decision that I wanted, but I couldn't help feeling a little bit of sadness that it didn't work because we've come on the show a lot of times after even bad losses and talked about how we still thought things were on the right track and still thought Tom Crean was the right guy. That obviously changed over the final five, six weeks of this season, but it didn't change the fact for me that I was disappointed that it didn't work. And, and that was my first feeling, even more than the excitement and elation that I feel now looking toward the future, because I obviously feel that. Um, but I was just disappointed that it didn't work. And I, and I think it's fair, you know, before we move on to start talking about other coaches, um, you know, if, if you guys have any other lingering thoughts just about Tom Crean, about the era, um, because I know now is a great time to appreciate and to show gratitude for what he did for the time that we had. Uh, and while it's time to move forward, there were a lot of good moments. Uh, and I couldn't help reflecting on those and just being a little bit disappointed that there weren't more good ones uh, along the way when the news came down today. Andy, did you did you have any similar kind of sense when you saw the news? Yeah, I mean, kind of like I said before, it, it almost felt kind of surreal, even though it was expected um, in some ways. It, at least I guess if I had to guess, I would have I would have guessed it would have been more likely he wasn't back than he was. So in terms of sheer, you know, shock value, I would say that really wasn't there. Um, but it was odd to see. I mean, I, I sat down to watch basketball and saw a text from Ryan about it and, and you know, started to look. And um, it's one of those things that, you know, we can probably say like, oh, we anticipated it and, and agreed was all the right decision. But, yeah, I think it, um, it it's it makes it easier now than that he won't be back in some ways to reflect on the entirety of it as opposed to just what most recently happened. Um, and I think everybody's been frustrated about what most recently happened. And when you're able to look back at uh, his era in totality, I think it gives you a little bit better sense of, you know, kind of how far things have come. And I thought Ryan, you know, put that really well that, you know, when you think about where things were nine years ago to where they are today, uh, it's a huge step up and it's not as big of a step up and as consistent of a large step up as, as everybody wanted it to be, but it doesn't diminish, um, you know, what happened. And I think it, it made it a little bit easier to kind of get past the frustration and, uh, and all those kinds of things to, with the news actually happening, uh, and gave a little perspective that, you know, a lot of everybody to look back at, you know, the positive moments that were there, uh, and the progress that has been made, even though it didn't lead to where, uh, everybody, including Tom Crean and including IU fans wanted it to go. Yep. All right. Well, Ryan, you had some interesting comments in our pre-show chat about Fred Glass's press conference because I thought he hit a lot of the right notes. You know, you seem to suggest maybe that there were some things that you didn't like quite as much. And so coming up on the assembly call, we are going to talk about the press conference, talk about what Fred Glass said, his vision for the future of IU basketball. That's coming up on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, reflecting on the decision to fire Tom Crean. And we're going to talk this segment about the Fred Glass press conference uh, and statement. And, you know, I read a part of the statement in segment number one. And I'll tell you, my initial reaction to the press conference is I thought Fred Glass looked tired. Uh, I thought he looked worn down. You know, he looked like a guy who had probably been up for 36 hours agonizing about a big decision. Uh, and then certainly once he made the decision, probably agonizing about how to tell a man that he likes and respects that he was going to be moving on from him. 
But I thought he struck a very reassuring tone, as I mentioned in my banner moment. I thought hearing his commitment to not just competing for Big Ten championships, but winning national championships and doing it in kind of the preferred way for Indiana fans, which is with Indiana kids. You know, we've debated that somewhat and it's somewhat overblown, but it's also important. And and to me, I thought as tone deaf as the decision and explanation about the NIT was, I thought that's the kind of right note that he struck for me at the press conference. Ryan, I'm curious to get your thoughts because you suggested earlier that maybe you don't quite feel uh, as strongly about it as I do. No, I thought that uh, that Glass's passion for the program came through. Um, and, and I think that's a good place to start from. I think he cares about Indiana basketball. A lot of people have kind of you know, been a, kind of painted him as being sort of aloof and not, you know, as plugged into the Indiana fan base as, as they would like. I've never gotten that feeling. Um, my problem with it was I thought there was way too much emphasis on, uh, and he mentioned several times things about, you know, wanting an Indiana guy and wanting, a, you know, somebody like an alum or um, wanting three of somebody. Us, with, I believe is who he was referring to yeah, there. Well, you know, Fred, call me. Um, no, but it's, uh, I'll even take half green salary. I don't know. I think I, I could, I could get out of bed for that. Um, but no, I, I think, uh, it's, I, I just think that's backwards thinking. I, I, I don't, because I don't think it needs to be an IU guy. I don't think it needs to be a guy with ties in the state of Indiana, you know, and, and the thinking there is, well, if he has ties to the state of Indiana, he'll recruit better. Hey, a good coach is going to recruit wherever he is. You know, a good coach develops his own culture, doesn't have to know, doesn't have to get IU or whatever that means. You know, they develop their own culture. They they can connect with the past and bring forward the present. And I think that too much, too often in Indiana, people are looking backwards. You know, Bob Knight's last championship was 30 years ago and and, and Indiana hasn't won consistently for, what, 20, maybe a little more than that. Um, you know, I, I, looking backward hasn't worked so far as far as you know trying to recapture what happened in the past we should be looking forward to the next big thing and trying to identify the next big thing and 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 build around that instead of continually looking at this past and being obsessed with the past and you know i know we love the banners and it's great but you know banners don't come like they used to um you know there aren't five programs that dominate college basketball anymore it, it's there's much more parity it's across the board and so instead of looking and saying hey those banners that's why you should come here and 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 that tradition is why you should no we, you should come here because indiana you know to recruits i mean you should come here and coaches you should come here because this is what's going to be the next big thing not what the big thing was 20 30 years ago you know this is where this is going to be the next program to take that next step and i thought in 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 glasses press conference he didn't really talk about the future much he talked about the past and and if you stare too long at the past the future is going to sneak right by you and, See, and, i didn't, and I didn't get that though i mean i thought he did have an eye to the future i mean because the future is built upon a foundation of the past i mean you can't that's why the expectations are what they are and now, i agree with that let me let me just jump in real quick i, I agree with that but i think that focusing and, and he spent a good chunk of the press conference talking about Indiana and ties to Indiana. And, 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 you know, it, I mean, you know, he said he'd, he'd interview any former alum. Well, Hey, I'll call him, you know, I mean, like, you know, it's, it, I, I don't think we should be trying to identify the best guy with Indiana ties. We should be trying to identify the best guy and no matter what. And I know later but on, he said would, he doesn't avoid have to somebody have. just because they have Indiana ties. Though. You're no, not I saying like that... actively move away, but just find the best candidate regardless of where they're from. 
that's what I'm saying. Yes, to find the best candidate regardless. And and don't interview a guy who you wouldn't interview if he didn't have Indiana ties. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it, the candidate, like, wipe out where they're from. If he has Indiana ties and he's a great candidate, bring him in, of course. But just because he has Indiana ties, giving him an interview, you might miss on another candidate who's a better fit. Which I think is kind of should, the crux of your anti-Alford argument, right? I mean, if he wasn't an Indiana guy, would you even look at him? Well, of course you wouldn't. I, I they, Look, I have plenty of problems with Steve Alford. That is one of them, certainly. And we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But um, That's going to be a no, whole episode I mean, yeah. at some point this offseason, I have a feeling. <laughs> I could just do it by myself. You guys could take the night off, and I'll just... <laughs> But no, I look, I, I yeah, that's the thing is that you should examine these candidates for who they are as coaches and what they can do. And and then if they have the ties to the state, OK, yeah, give them a bonus. But, you know, that shouldn't be your focus and that shouldn't be what you look for first. Examine the candidates as candidates almost blindly to where they're from, what their background is, whatever. And then if that is added onto it, awesome. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Andy, I want to get your take on it. You know, were you reassured by by what Fred Glass said, and, and what did you think about some of the things that Ryan's talking about? So I have a, a slightly different perspective than you guys. Is I've really read more about it than I've actually watched, um, and so I, I'll say, in some ways, I agree with Ryan in the in sense of what I saw that there was a lot of comments around, um, you know, an Indiana guy and things like that. Now, the flip side of that is he was probably asked a lot about those kinds of things he was because that has been a a hot button issue. So I don't know how you really get around it. And I think when we start to to talk about, you know, where guys recruit, I mean, people would say in large part early uh, in his tenure in the, you know, Cody Zeller, Yogi Ferrell, that, that Crean did do a decent job of recruiting Indiana. It kind of speaks to that point of not having to, to be directly from there in order to do that. Um, Now that certainly changed and he got away from that for, you know, probably a variety of reasons over the course of time. And I think that that later became uh, uh, an issue with people. But I don't think it was a it was certainly wasn't a consistent issue uh, as they went through it. And so uh, I think Glass is also in the position where he understands that some people want to want that, uh, I think, is also trying to probably not alienate any former players who may or may not have, you know, an interest in and in kind of you know, curry favor from a support perspective by really, you know, listening to those guys and saying some of those things, whether that actually ends up being a factor uh, in the search, it remains to be seen at this point. And so um, I think the other thing I would, I would call out is, and you mentioned this earlier, is that, you know, the beginning of the week from a, just the way that glass handled this, I thought was beyond poor. Uh, And so now he's kind of made a move and the spotlight is on him to fix it. Um, to fix the way that things were handled and whatever drove them to be handled in the way that they were. And now to fix the program in the sense of getting it to where he, he says he wants it to be where fans want it to be. Um, so he said all the right things to me from a expectation standpoint, and now it's on him to figure out the right guy to get him there. Uh, and this will assuredly go a long way toward determining what his legacy is as a athletic director. Yeah, I just want to say, I mean, I don't want to give the wrong impression that I thought he was bad or something like that. I just thought it was there was a lot of praise for it. And I, I just I thought it was kind of a mixed bag. I thought that parts of what he said were great and and parts of it were kind of like, eh, OK, we've heard this before, you know, and I'm not sure how much I like it. But I'm not I, I definitely was not out here saying that I thought it was a bad performance and I thought that everything he said was was garbage. I just, you know, 
I thought that my my feelings towards it were a little tempered. Besides, the idea of I, winning I think the press. Need, oh, go ahead, Andy. I, I do think we need to linger a little bit on the idea of the three of us, you know, throwing our hat in the ring. Um, I will say. I wasn't happy with how my daughter's fourth grade team performed toward the end of the season. So I, hopefully that's not held against me as we uh, as we move forward in this process. You turn the ball well, over, you're sitting the bench. That's what I'm saying right now. Yeah, I think I just ran them too hard. They just weren't Zero ready. Zero tolerance by the end of policy this. for turnovers. We'll just make Andy quality control and keep him away from actual coaching. It's, <laughs> oh, that's hurtful. It's so hurtful. <laughs> he'll, he'll be over there charting our substitutions and criticizing us for not keeping guys on the floor long enough to get Yeah, them. why'd you put those guys back in? <laughs> Ryan will be the shot doctor. We've got that already worked out. I, this is... Uh, I mean, we've had worse ideas, to be fair. I can also, yeah. you know, I can, I can also uh, be the guy who tells guys how much to run. I just won't eat before I do it, and I'll be really angry, and I'll run them into the ground, you know, get them in really good shape. So, okay, so a serious question here, though. You know, the whole idea of winning the press conference is overblown and absolutely lame. It doesn't matter. Like, Tom Crean won the initial press conference for Indiana, but, you know, nine years later, you know, here we sit. So it's about actually living up to those standards Fred Glass talked about. And so whether he won the press conference or not, that's irrelevant. I think the big thing is he made the right decision. The decision that we certainly all agree is the right one moving forward. Now he's got to make the next right decision because Indiana, you know, ever since Bob Knight left, you know, we haven't had the right guy in charge. I understand why Mike Davis was named head coach and he had a good, you know, first and second year. It didn't work out on to Samson, you know, and now to Kareem. We know the backstories there. So this decision is hugely important. My question to both of you guys, you know, for for quick answers is does Indiana need to determine what kind of culture, what kind of team, what kind of style it's going to play above and beyond just we're going to compete for championships and recruit the state of Indiana? Like, does he need to determine that first and then choose a coach? Or does he just need to find the coach that he thinks is is going to be the best winner? You know, does style, does fit, do the, how much do those things matter in this decision to get it right for the long term? Ryan, what do you think? Uh, I think you just go out and you get the guy who you think is the best. I don't, I think, I think styles, you know, it's like some people say, Oh, well that style won't work in the big 10. Cause people are well, saying that it, about Tony Bennett. Like they don't like his style, for example, well, you know, his offense. I mean, like he would put me to hit that, you know, it might be soul crushing watching the mover blocker offense 40 times a year. I'll be honest with you. Um, but at the same time, uh, you find a guy who's going to win games and who's going to take you to that level. I don't care what the style is. I don't care if he, you know, runs the Dean Smith four corners for half the game. As long as he win, you, you, a lot of those, those warts, uh, you know, go away with winning. And so I think that if you think that's the guy who can get you a national championship and, you know, uh, repeatedly, um, you know, win, uh, at a high level in your conference, then yeah, that's what you that's what you go for. I don't care who it is. I don't care what the style is. You go get that guy as long as you know it's within reason and he's going to run a clean program and all that other stuff. That of course is a requirement for the job. Andy, we know that you want someone who substitutes sensibly uh, and sparingly, perhaps, to make your life easier. But <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I didn't. I never knew how much I wanted that until right now. Um, no, I think. You know, what I would say is I think the personality fit matters and how they'll be able to handle the scrutiny and the interaction with the fan base and everything that goes along with the being the head coach at IU. Um, in terms of a style of play, I think that's I think you're pigeonholing yourself to be able to go in and say that that's what you want. You don't want you know, you ideally want to get the best coach and you don't want to try to fit a coach into a style that you think they should play that that coach may not be comfortable with. So to me, the biggest thing is personality and how they're able to really handle 
what's there and to really create a culture that complements the expectations and that complements the passion uh, and all those kinds of things. All right. Well, let's start putting some names to this discussion because I know that's what everybody wants us to talk about. And that's what we want to talk about. And I think we feel a little bit more free to discuss that openly now that Indiana doesn't have a coach. And so coming up on the assembly call in our next segment, we will discuss the names that are floating around who we all prefer. And and Ryan will tell you why he's not a fan of Steve Alford and Greg Marshall. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. I am Jared Morris, here talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on The Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. You can join us after every IU basketball game over at AssemblyCall.com and throughout the offseason, as well as every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. All right, Ryan, I'm going to get out of your way for a couple of minutes. Everybody's talking about Greg Marshall and Steve Alford. They're in pretty much all the top five, top six lists that you see about potential coaches. You have been adamantly against them for basically as long as I've known you. Why don't you tell everybody why? Well, I think with Greg Marshall, look, he's a good on-court coach. There's no question about that. He wins, all that stuff. Uh, But if you've noticed, every time he is sort of mentioned with a big job and people start digging into his background, they lose interest. And there's a reason. There's a lot of personal baggage and a lot of behind-the-scenes baggage there um, in the way he treats people and the way he runs his program and things like that that people are not big fans of. I'm not going to go into huge details of it. It's just Suffice to say, it's not a great situation, and there's a reason he hasn't moved on from Wichita State and moved up. Great on-court coach, no question about that, but the behind-the-scenes stuff is is bad enough that teams have passed, schools have passed on him. As for Steve Alford, um, I really don't see him as an upgrade over Tom Crean in any way, shape, or form. 22 years as a head coach, he's made the Sweet 16 three times in that in that time. Um He's never gone beyond the Sweet 16. He's never won a regular season major conference championship. He was under 500 in his time at uh, Iowa in the Big Ten. Uh, Last year, he missed the tournament with a ridiculously talent-laden team. Uh, He had to return money to UCLA to get them not to fire him last year. And then Lonzo Ball saved his job this year, basically. And, and Lonzo Ball, you'll see him in games wave off, you know, offensive play calls from Steve Alford. He just, he's doing his own thing out there. It's working because Lonzo Ball is really good, but you know, this is a situation where a guy out there is the fans want him gone. I mean, even they're winning this year and the fans want him gone at Iowa fans wanted him gone at at New Mexico fans were fine when he left, despite winning a lot while he was there. Um, He just, he has, he doesn't have a track record of success. I realize Indiana fans want the guy who played here to come back and be the savior. I get that emotion, nostalgia, very powerful emotion, but he's not a great coach. He just isn't. There's no evidence of that. And I think it's a step back for Indiana. I don't see him as demonstrably better than Tom Green. And there's a pretty big sample size. It's not like he's Dane Fife where there's, you know, kind of an open canvas and you don't really know. You kind of know what you're getting with Steve Alford, you know, at this point. Um, So Andy, let's go over to you. I mean, we know who Ryan doesn't want and we'll get into some names later that he does want, but who is atop your list? I mean, I think as we start thinking about what what seem to be at least realistic candidates, I mean, I think Archie Miller's the guy that you have to take a look at. Uh, has done has done really well at Dayton. That's his first head coaching job. He's 
you know, learned under Thad Mata, uh, coached under his brother, Sean, at uh, Arizona for a while. And um, I, I think, you know, at least if, if bloodlines are any factor in it, you know, Sean Miller is, is would be another guy I would look at. I just don't know how likely it would be that he would go. And, um, you know, I, I think it struggled for the first couple of years where he was at Dayton, but in, uh, you know, 2014 was, you know, lost by 10 to Florida with the a trip to the final four uh, on the line. Uh, 2015 made it to the sweet 16 as well. Gave Oklahoma a good game uh, at that point. And that was a year when they basically had a lot of injuries or, or guys leave. I forget all the circumstances, but he basically, I mean, they had five, maybe six guys play the vast majority of their minutes that year. And then, um, you know, you move forward to, to even this year where, um, had, you know, a player unfortunately pass away, uh, over the, over the off season and really has had to make some adjustments on the fly, had another injury in the, you know, one of the first games of the season. So I think when we, we talk about, you know, some of the X's and O's things that maybe, uh, people have, you know, soured on Crean uh, on over the course of time, when we look at in-game and in-season adjustments, I think some of the things that Miller has had to deal with, uh, at Dayton, um, have, have been there. And one of the things we've, we've touched on so many times this year is the excuses about the, about the injuries. And we were fed more of that by the, you know, commentators on the, in the game the other night. Um, I'd never get the feeling that, you know, Miller has really made excuses and has kind of found ways to, to work with what he had. And, uh, so I, I think that would be a guy that I think you have to take a look at as, you know, an up and comer and a guy that you might be able to, to get put in that position and hang on to for a while. Uh, but also not a guy who has been at a top, top level program. But I think the um, passion for Dayton basketball is probably uh, underappreciated by people because it, it is a um, for, you know, for that area is, is a big deal. Um, certainly not the stage of IU, but uh, but probably probably bigger than people think. So you mentioned the name that I was thinking of, which is Sean Miller. I mean, now, Ryan, do you place him in the like moonshot category? Because th- to me, the reason why it might work, okay, let's say, especially this year, if they don't go to a Final Four, win at all. You know, he's been to Elite Eights. He's a guy who's clearly proven at a big program. He can handle all of that. I would like to see a guy who maybe, you know, is proven but can come to Indiana and take the next step, use the resources of Indiana, a change of scenery, take the next step, you know, and obviously our program take the next step with him. He, to me, is the perfect, you know, a perfect, perfect candidate, one of the top ones. I just don't know how reasonable it is. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's reasonable or not. He's got a pretty good thing going at at Arizona. He's got a great recruiting pipeline. Um, He's got a lot of resources, uh, you know, won a Pac-10 title this year, or Pac-12 title this year. Uh, You know, he's a, he's a, I think he's pretty well solid there. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see Sean Miller come. Uh, what I will say is even if he is a top guy, call him, you know, you there's no, call all there's, these people. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, uh, Sean Miller, Jay Wright, uh, Billy Donovan, Brad Stevens, all those guys, even if they say no, call them. There's no harm in calling and asking, putting the idea in their head. And, um, so, you know, to, if Brad Stevens continually says he's going to stay in the NBA, which it looks like he is, Call him anyway. Why not? I mean, there's no there's no downside there. Uh, what's the worst he says? Hey, no, I'm not interested. Thanks for the call. Boom. Over. Done. Ask him um, about some out of bounds plays, and then give them to the new coach. Yeah. He's good ask at if, those. You know, ask if if uh, the other Isaiah Thomas can come work out at IU sometime. You know, I mean, it's so I would do that. Um, as far as my name, I, I think that you know Sean Miller would be great. Archie Miller, I think, would be a fantastic hire, uh, as Andy said. And I think that you got to look at Chris Mack at Xavier. But there's a list of guys in that second tier who are all really good. I mean, you know, Ben Jacobson, Northern Iowa, um, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Greg, uh, 
Greg, Mar- uh, Greg, what's his name? McDermott at Greg Marshall. Creighton. He keeps saying it. Subliminal. Secretly but you know, there's a some. list of there's a list of usual suspects in that next level who could probably come in and be good head coaches. Um, you know, so I, I would say Chris, uh, Chris Mack and Archie Miller are probably at the top of that that second tier list. Okay, so let, let's dive into a few more of those names as we go through here and, and unpack some of the guys who may be a little bit more reasonable, uh, guys that don't seem like maybe quite such a moonshot for Indiana. Uh, that is what we will talk about next here coming up on the Assembly Call. Uh, and, of course, if you have any feedback, tweet us at Assembly Call. We'd love to hear your feedback. Stay with us. We'll be back in uh, just a few minutes. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we have been discussing Indiana's decision to move on from Tom Crean, uh, and we spent our last segment talking about some names uh, that we would, well, a couple of names that we don't want to see, Steve Alford and Greg Marshall. I shouldn't say we, necessarily. Let me not pigeonhole Andy uh, into opinion that, an opinion that he hasn't stated, but certainly Ryan is against Steve Alford and Greg Marshall. Uh, and we you know, threw out a couple of names that we are interested in, guys like Sean Miller, guys like Archie Miller. Um, so let's keep talking names. Um, and, and you know, obviously, there, you know, there's, there's kind of another list of names below those guys. And maybe you know, Tony Bennett, I don't know if you would put him up in kind of that Sean Miller category or if he's a step below. But then you've got the Chris Holtmans and the Chris Macks and the Chris Collinses and just lots of Chris's. Um, but let's break down some of those guys. Uh, you know, Andy, out of those, out of that list of guys, you know, that seems like those to me, I don't know if there's a way for this to, for me to say this without it sounding really, really arrogant. Um, those guys seem to me like guys who, if the Indiana job were offered, given the job they have currently, that they would take it. I don't know that that's true, you know, cause Holtman has a good thing at Butler and Chris Mack is a Cincinnati guy. So I don't mean for that to come across as arrogant as I'm sure it sounded. Um, but what do you think of those guys? Who's most likely? Who would you like to see the most out of that group? Uh, you know, Chris Mack is interesting. I mean, living in Cincinnati, I'm you know a little bit more familiar with their uh, their program, and I, I think you know he is a, a guy who you know played at Xavier, was under, uh, believe, coached under um, Skip Prosser for for a little while, and uh, you know has has ties to the city, has. Uh, ties to the school and and obviously there's uh, you know a, an element of you know the IU job being you know among the better ones but I I just don't know that he would at the drop of a hat walk away from um, what he has here and he's also a guy who's recruited Indiana well um, you look at Trevon Blewett you look at Paul Scruggs going there next year um, y- you know he he's done a decent job of getting Indiana kids it's obviously not very far from Cincinnati and uh, you know, a fairly short drive and, and kind of an easy pitch in that regard to, you know, you know, going a little bit away from home and out of state, but not that far. Um, so I, I would be intrigued by him, certainly based on what he's he's been able to do there. I just don't know that he would um, that he would leave uh, the Tony Bennett thing. You know, it sounds like Illinois is is attempting to throw uh, a bunch of money at him. I'm not really sure um, whether he would take that or not. I, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid of getting into a recruiting battle with Illinois, just for the record. Well. Based on That's history, fair. but um, no, I just I, I don't know that that I, I think he's he's been very good. But I also wonder if based on, you know, him not having a ton of deep tournament runs that do we get right back into a situation that currently are in where everybody is lamenting the fact that, 
you know, not able to, to you know, to get as far in the tournament as people would like. So I, I don't know that, that one necessarily is exciting. I guess of the ones you mentioned, I guess Chris Mack would be the one I might be most excited about. Um, Collins has certainly done great things at Northwestern, but I also feel like it's a scenario of you want to get somebody who's not going to, who you feel like is going to be here a while. And in some ways that's why I threw out a guy like Archie Miller, who's still relatively young and, um, you know, may not have another place he wants to go eventually when, Ryan's, uh, you know, Ryan's friend, Coach K, decides to hang it up at Duke. They come calling. He's leaving. Um, and so I don't know if that's if that's what you want either. Hey, so, you know, and, and speaking of that, you know, one guy that I want to talk about is Dane Fife because his name has come up a lot. And, you know, I will say he's really intriguing to me as, you know, a young guy. He's got a little bit of experience. You know, you would think the Indiana job certainly would be a destination job for him. You know, he does. I get, Ryan, your point about we shouldn't pigeonhole ourselves into an IU guy, but if it is a good coach and you get the added bonus of them kind of understanding the landscape of IU basketball, having experience with it, that can't hurt, I don't think, and he would have that. What terrifies me, obviously, is the lack of experience and the lack of proven experience. You know, he did a good job at Fort Wayne, didn't win huge. I do appreciate the humility to step back and go learn from Tom Izzo, you know, one of the best in the business. So there's a lot to like. I just wonder from a timing perspective and just the state of the program right now, if now is the right time to be taking a chance on a guy. Like I just, I feel like with the gauntlet that Fred Glass laid out, he didn't exactly say, you know, we have time to grow with a young coach. It was let's win and let's win championships. That to me suggests a guy who has either done it before or who has been on the cusp and can use the resources of Indiana to go to the next level. And to me, that's not Dane Fife. So it's really intriguing I'm just not sold that the timing and situation are right. Do you agree yeah, with I would, that? Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, everybody's like, oh, we love Dane Fife. Um, but yeah, I mean, he hasn't proven it. And 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 uh, I think being an assistant coach for Tom Izzo is great. Now go coach IUPUI for a couple of years or, you know, go go to like a mid-major and, and, and or coach. Or Illinois. And, yeah, you know, well, no, that's an, I mean, that's a mid-major, but, you know, um. No, but I, I I would agree. I think that there's just not enough experience there, especially when you've got guys who are Dane Fife's age who are winning in college basketball as head coaches right now. Um, yeah, they don't have the IU ties, but he doesn't have the wins. You know, I mean, he doesn't have the success and the track record. And I get it. Yeah, he's he's learning under a guy who I think is the best coach. But you know, Crean learned under that guy for a long time, and he didn't wind up being successful here. So, what makes you believe that? It, you know, it's it's about the individual person, not the guy he learns from real, real mean, quick aside I, do you think you think Crean was unsuccessful would you if you had to sum up his his no, tenure in no. a word would it okay no I, I I think there were I think disappointing in some ways but no at what he did he was successful the problem is he wasn't successful to the level that Indiana yeah. expects yeah. so I mean that's, it's a different standard at another school there's no way he's fired right I mean there really isn't you know at another at another school he's probably not fired um so I would say uh, Dane Fife is just not the right time. It, it just isn't. And he's got to go be a coach for a while if he wants this job. And I, I think Dane, I mean, you know, knowing through other people knowing him, I bet he would agree with that. I don't think this is his, um, I, you know, I don't think that, that, that he's a guy who thinks this is his job, you know, to have. Yeah, successful but unfulfilling was the description in the chat, uh, which I think is an apt description. Uh, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down uh, some of the names that you're going to hear over the next few weeks talked about, rumored about for the Indiana job. Um, Andy, you've got uh, a couple of other interesting ones that you wanted to, to mention and discuss a little bit. 
Yeah, Ryan mentioned Will Wade in the chat, so I'll give him I'll give him credit for that. Uh, who's at VCU now? Was at Chattanooga for a couple years before that. Definitely a younger guy. hasn't uh, uh, you know four years of head coaching experience, and and but I think he's uh, if you're looking for a potential you know up and comer again with the thought that are you getting somebody who is you know could be in it for the long haul? I think that would be a, a name you would want to look at. He's certainly been mentioned. Uh, a lot of places. I think Mike White came up. Uh, that's at Florida now. Uh, you know, I think he's he had success at Louisiana Tech. Has been successful there. Um, you know, does he want to get to some place where you know basketball is the focus as opposed to uh, to football? Although I guess the Florida football program continues to play the way that it has. Maybe that you know maybe it shifts. But um, I, you know, I think those guys are interesting. I, I again, I, I just the thought of getting somebody who who wouldn't be in it for the long haul and and that that to me just seems interesting. I know I saw Randy Whitman got thrown out just in the, you know, kind of in the vein of IU guys. I don't think that's a uh, a slam dunk by any means. So, I, you know, I, I think Wade is, of the guys that I kind of just brought up might be an interesting one. But I also think, um, you know, to go from five years ago, never being a head coach to all of a sudden being the head coach at IU and, uh, you know, he moved up that quickly. While that would be a testament to what he's been able to accomplish, um, I think is is a pretty big step uh, at that point as well. As you guys go through this process, let me oh, yeah. let me let me jump, let me in. jump in real quick. Um, I, I would say uh, that uh, as as we were talking about Dane Fife and 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 Will Wade and guys like that, really young guys who don't have a ton of experience, I do think that with a guy like Wade and and you know he's had success at two different schools, which says something to me uh, that that whatever he's doing is working at multiple places. And, and so I, it, that tells me his philosophy solid. It's one thing to walk into a cush situation and, 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 and Matt McCall is this way. I think at Chattanooga, he walked into what Will Wade left him and has done well with it. But you know, it, when a guy can go to two separate places and, and produce winners, that tells me something. Now I'm not advocating for him to get the job. I'm just saying that there are different things you look for. And if a guy has been at one place and done well for a long time, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to another place. He could just have the perfect personality for that situation. So. Yeah. Kind of like how you feel Greg Marshall is with Wichita state. I mean, in a sense that that's it, the perfect it works there him. Yeah, and his war, his warts are fine there, you know, and, and they clearly don't mind. Um, but other places I think would. So let me ask you guys something from a timing perspective as we go through this. You know, obviously things are kind of open-ended right now. The tournament's going on. You know, you understand if you're going to talk with guys who are in the tournament, which is the kind of coaches that you want, you're going to have to wait a little bit. If you're going to talk to a Billy Donovan, you're probably going to have to wait for the season to be over. Like, at what point would you start to worry maybe if no decision had been made? Or would you look at a long delay as maybe, hey, they're waiting for the NBA season to wrap up and to get a Donovan? Like, are there any kind of signposts along the way from a timing perspective that we should be on the lookout for as we go through the process? I think I, I would say right. a week after the NCAA tournament's over, they should have a coach in place. You can't have uncertainty that for that long. Even if, if it's someone like Donovan, I think it'll start to leak out that he's going back to college. Um, usually that stuff doesn't stay secret and in glass is not going to gamble on. I mean, he, I mean, no athletic director is going to gamble on a guy turning you down in June. Because then all the other guys are gone. All the other candidates are gone, and they're taken. And there are lots of openings this year. So I think by, you know, they don't like news coming out during the Final Four. Uh, got t- places do break news, but the fact that Indiana is in Indiana and the NCAA is in Indianapolis and they have a pretty 
tight relationship with them, I would assume that they'll ob- abide by that. And so I would say after the final four or midweek before the final four, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I would just to kind of dovetail on that a little bit. I mean, to me, it's it, certainly there's a, a, an actual physical time component of it, but to me, it's also more to be able to watch some of these names because the same names are going to get thrown around for every single job. So you start to see those get, you know, picked off and then you're starting to wonder who's left. Uh, I think that doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't bode well when you're, you know, late at the dance trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I, I think that becomes problematic if you start to see guys who you've who you've thought of uh, as candidates go other places. And and again, most of the names that we mentioned, I think people would probably get excited about uh, are ones that are going to be mentioned for for pretty much every job. And at this point, the Missouri one is the only one that's been filled. All right, I'm yeah, and, oh, go ahead. Let me just say real quick that uh, that happened to UCLA a few years ago. And you know who they wound up with? <laughs> It all comes full circle. What an excellent way to punctuate this conversation. All right, we have literally like a minute, 20 seconds left. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Your favorite underrated Tom Crean memory, I'll give you mine real quick. It's the win over NC State, which was the precursor to the Kentucky game, which kind of came out of nowhere. It was the first real big road win for the team. They were down late, made some huge plays. That's kind of when we were like, hey, wait a minute, this team might have a little something. That, to me, I I still, and maybe it was because that was our first season of doing the show, um, but that to me remains one of my lingering positive memories of the Tom Crean era. Andy, quickly, uh, that's that's a good one for me. I'll throw out two. Uh, one would be the you know kind of post Iowa game last year stuff in the locker room, which I guess isn't underrated, but cool moment for those guys. Um, more, that is how you're a champion. It really more is. hilarious moment was the uh, you know the stuff with Tim Miles at uh, midcourt during that Nebraska game. <laughs> that, that was classic. The double stare down. Yeah. <laughs> Like, a, uh, can you just imagine a fight between those two guys? Oh, God, no, it'd be the most spastic thing ever. Um, 20 seconds, Ryan. Uh, I would say uh, the Michigan, the win at Michigan to win the to win his first Big Ten title, uh, that missed layup at the end, and then Yogi step back three against Iowa last year that led to, uh, obviously, the locker room stuff. So the two Big Ten championships, the games that clinched them, were, were awesome for me. Classic. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com. Uh, when we have our next episode, go to assemblycall.com slash join and get on our email list so that you can find out about it. Uh, and when all of our off-season episodes are this season, our thanks to, or this off-season, our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to hoosierproud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Pop some new Cascade in your dishwasher with 50% more cleaning power. 50% more cleaning power. New Cascade does it better. 50% more cleaning power. New Cascade does it cleaner. Switch to new Cascade Platinum with 50% more cleaning power. No need to rinse your dishes and it's even strong enough for the quick wash cycle. New Cascade Platinum. Pop some new Cascade in your dishwasher with 50% more cleaning power. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.